You may know that I've unplugged my fridge. I think I did it on November 22nd. So I'm in my second month of having my fridge unplugged. Actually, this is my second winter. I tried it last year for the first time in late December. And this year I decided to do it a little earlier. And I wanted to share why I do it. Because I think I explained a little bit in a previous episode or on a previous post in my blog. But I want to go into more depth. I mean, it's really thinking about the future and creating a better future. I'm going to describe some of the reasons that I do it. I'm going to start from the smaller reasons and build up to the really big reasons. First, I want to share the history of why this came about. Why would I unplug my fridge? I was reading an article in one of my favorite online sites called Low Tech Magazine. It's a guy who's, I think he's an engineer. He writes about technology and progress. And yet for him, most of it is going back to simpler technology, not things that are based on fossil fuels and really high tech stuff but a better life through technology. It's really human focused. And I love what I learned from there. I read an article about fermentation in general. Vietnam is a case study pointing out that much of the world uses not refrigeration to keep stuff going, but fermentation. I didn't really know much about fermentation at the time. I read the article and thought, oh, what if I could do this? And I noticed that the largest use of electricity in my apartment was my refrigerator. I started thinking, I wonder if I could pull this off. Could I learn enough fermentation that I could not rely on the fridge? I started thinking, what would it take to do that? And I immediately recognized that feeling of analysis and planning was the same that you may have seen me talk about in my TEDx talks, how when I had the idea to try for a week without buying any food packaging, it took me six months of analyzing and planning before I realized, just do it. The way to solve problems is not first solve them in the abstract, then apply, but to commit, and then solve the problems as they come, knowing I'm not going to die from going without food packaging. I'm not going to die if I try to ferment some food. So there I was thinking, should I do, how would I do this? How will it work? And I just walked over, unplugged the fridge. This is December 2019. And I figured it out. I put a bunch of stuff on the windowsill where it's cold or colder than the rest of the apartment. In the winter, it's cold. Also in the winter, there's not a lot of leafy green vegetables that go bad really quick. So a lot of the root vegetables that I rely on over the winter of parsnips and radishes and turnips and rutabagas, they last for a lot longer without being, you know, they're not so delicate. So I made it. I made it until March when, because of the pandemic, I went to my mom's house for a couple months. So actually my refrigerator was unplugged for about six months last year. This year I decided to do it a little earlier when it wasn't as cold out and there were still warm days. You know, it's meant that I've had to keep track. Oh man, this would be so much easier if it wasn't just one person. With one person, I have to eat everything really quickly. With two people, if I cook the same amount, There'd be economies of scale. As it is now, if I cook something, I got to finish it within a couple days. But with another person, we could finish it twice as fast. Anyway, it's just me. I'm making it pretty well. We're basically done. This, I guess it's going to be cabbage, but most of the green leafy stuff that goes bad quickly, like the turnip greens, they're mostly done for the winter. I expect to make it to March easily, maybe April this time. We'll see. Now let's talk the reasons why I do it. First, not a reason. I'm not doing this because I think that unplugging my fridge makes a dent in total emissions of the planet. It's small compared to a lot of things and divided by 7.8 billion, it's virtually, it's basically negligible. That's not why I do it. This is about developing skills and practices and experiences. The first reason is that before I challenged myself to go for a week without buying food packaging, I thought it would be horrible and it was the opposite. I thought it'd be more expensive, less convenient and so forth. And it was the opposite. Likewise, when I challenged myself to go for a year without flying, I thought it'd be terrible. It was awesome. Listen to other podcast episodes or email me if you want to know the details. And likewise with those, I didn't know how to solve the problems before. I realized I had to commit, face the problems and solve them at the time. What that means is that I've changed from 
worrying about what will happen. And keep in mind, most of the world doesn't have access to power whenever they want like we do. So I felt if most people can do it, I can probably do it. Having more should not mean that I'm less able. It should mean that having more resources, I would think, means I should be more able. I have changed from, at the beginning, I had some faith that I would be able to pull things off, faith in myself, that I wouldn't die, that I'd be able to live without packaged food and so forth. In this case, live without a refrigerator for a bit. And that faith has changed to expectation. I expect that I will learn, grow, connect with people on the other side of the world, the people who'd suffer from the pollution that I cause. So that's the first reason. I have an expectation of success based on past experiences. Next, last year, I was really curious about fermentation. What did it mean? I knew about sauerkraut and actually I didn't know much about anything. So I had to learn and I thought, well, going with the unpackaged food, I learned a lot. So going with unrefrigerated stuff, I bet I'll learn a lot too. As it's happened, I have. Looking over my kitchen right now, I see some vinegar. I think that counts as fermentation. I got some kvass from bread. I've made kvass from beets. I don't have any sauerkraut right now, but I've made sauerkraut. I had some chutney a little while ago and a vinegar with apples, but I have some vinegar from some pumpkin that I got from a neighbor who was getting rid of their pumpkin after Halloween. That's worked out very well. Next, the less stuff that I need, the less dependency I have on other things, the more capable I am, the more independent I can be if I want to be. Or to put it less charitably, the less spoiled I am, the less entitled I am. Most of the world, I don't know how much of the world actually, but I figure a lot of the world doesn't have access to refrigeration. For most of human history, there was no refrigeration. And yet people didn't die. Actually, the more that I cook from fresh fruits and vegetables, the more delicious I find stuff that isn't from the industrial production system, it tastes much better. I've concluded that people probably ate more healthy and more delicious for most of human history the stuff shipped in from California, it looks colorful and big. It generally doesn't taste good as the stuff that doesn't look as good. But man, I know I sound like a lot of other people. When I heard people talk like that, I was like, ah, whatever. No, it doesn't really make that much of a difference. But now I've switched over from experience. The stuff tastes really good when it's local and it's, from, well, when you buy it, I've learned to buy from the farms that I really like this food from. So I ask you, do you know people in your life that you have found to be spoiled or entitled? Have you ever said to yourself of them, you know, I love Fred. He's such a great person. He's so spoiled. Or I like Sally. She's so entitled. I don't think that's ever been said. And I think the people who are spoiled and entitled don't know it. I'm sure I am in many ways that I haven't thought about. So the less entitled and spoiled I am, I think the better my life is. So needing a fridge, I prefer to use it when it helps and not need it when I don't. Now let's get to the big things. I read an article in that same low-tech magazine. He wrote about power grids. We expect our power to work. Rarely when it's heat waves and everyone's using their air conditioners or there's a hurricane, we'll see power outages. Occasionally we'll get one from some bug in the system. Mostly we expect our power to work and it's a big deal when it goes down. To make a power grid work at 99% uptime, and ours is way above that, you need to have all sorts of redundancies to make sure that it works. It means you have to have a lot of capacity to produce power because if something goes down in one place, you have to be able to redo it. To go from 99% to 99.9% costs a lot. To go to 99.99%, each nine that you add there adds a lot of cost. More importantly, if we ever expect to wean ourselves off of fossil fuels and we want to go on renewables, solar and wind, these are intermittent. We can't make the sun shine at nighttime. If there are clouds, there's not much we can do about that. If there's no wind, we can't just make wind happen. If we want to meet our current expectations of 99.99999, I'm not sure how many nines, percent uptime. We can't do it with just solar and just wind. 
people point out that we would need all sorts of other power plants to fill in when they can't. Well, there's a couple of ways you can get around if there's no wind or sun. One is batteries, or you can store energy. You can pump water uphill, or you can lift heavy objects that when you need the power, you let the water flow down through a generator, or you let something drop and have that drive a generator. Or if you have lots of batteries, you can fill up the batteries. Still, that's not a new source of power, and they can run out. Most people point out we would need nuclear or fossil fuels. And in order to keep the power up, if you do the math, which I haven't done, but if I've read, if you want to keep it up to where we are now, you basically need the same capacity that you had before. And some of those fossil fuel-powered plants, you need to keep running even when you don't need power from them because you can't just fire them up when you feel like it. If you need them really quickly, you've got to have them on. Meaning, if we want renewables, we still generally need to burn a lot of fossil fuels. Or if we use nuclear, we have to have nearly as high capacity for nuclear, which I believe we also have to keep running. That's if we want to keep it 99.99 and have all that capacity. It goes the other way too. To drop from 99% to 98%, you drop precipitously your need for power. If as a society, we could periodically go for a day or two without power, or not without power, because you'd still have batteries and you'd have that power storage. So maybe the hospitals and places that really need it, you can keep giving them power with that 99.9999 and all that uptime. But the rest of us, imagine if we could live periodically with no power. I'm not saying go without refrigerators at all or go without cars at all. Just if the power goes down, we can handle it. We're resilient to that. Most of the world does this. And up until very recently, no one had any power. For all of human history, up to maybe 100 years ago, most people had no power anywhere. And I think a lot of them were pretty happy. They weren't all addicted, like entitled. Well, I'm not going to get into that, but we're not all so happy now. When we just expect everything every, all the time with no work, it, I'm not sure if that makes us so happy. What if we had a society in which we could handle power outages every now and then? If someone said to me, Josh, tomorrow for 24 hours, you have no access to electrical power, I'd be fine. It would take a bit of planning. I'd want to make sure that I could power my laptop, that I could power my phone. If I had to have the power down, but for minor things like that, not charging a car, but for charging things like that, I could go to, say, the local library and anyone else could too for small things, that would make it a lot easier. But if I had no access to power whatsoever, I could still make it 24 hours, no problem, especially if I had time to prepare. If it suddenly hit me like, boom, all of a sudden, no power. Yeah, that would be a bit more of a problem, but I could prepare a lifestyle if I had to, to where I could be prepared to handle 24 hours, no power, unpredicted. If I really worked at it, if the country or the world decided we're going to live in a world with 95% uptime and unpredictable, you might have to go for 48 hours every now and then with zero electrical power whatsoever. I could see living in a world like that. Each home would probably have a battery, so if we're not getting power from the grid, we at least still have power at home. If that meant no fossil fuel plants, if that meant we could live off of renewables or maybe a very small amount of fossil fuel plants because the need for fossil fuel or the need for power anytime drops so much, that's what's resilience. The opposite of efficiency, not the exact opposite, but counter to efficiency. We've been making our power systems, our electronics, our technology, our economic systems more and more efficient. Efficient is nice, but it's not lowering waste, so it's not decreasing pollution. In fact, it's increasing pollution. If you make a system that pollutes more efficient, you pollute more efficiently, which is to say make more waste with less effort, which is our world today. We're pretty sedentary and producing more waste than ever. The counter to efficiency is resilience. If you make a system more resilient, you can handle, you know, you'll have more redundancy, which means less efficient, but you can also handle things and you end up producing, you can, if you choose to, produce less waste than before or than a more efficient system.
That's what I'm testing out. Can I live more resiliently? If I can unplug my fridge, that makes me more resilient than if I can't. That's what I'm trying to see if I can live this way, if we can live in modern society and have all the benefits and accoutrements that we like without polluting nearly as much. Yeah, it's a little bit different. It takes a little bit of effort, but I'm not trying that hard either. If we developed a system where we said, let's work with 95% uptime, that means, what, 5% of 365 days a year is a couple of weeks out of the year not having power. That's a bit, but at 97, 98%, we're at one week a year. And if we scheduled that, I don't think that would be that hard. I don't use a dryer. I hang my stuff to dry. I could wash my clothes by hand if I wanted. There's not a whole lot of use for power that I really desperately need. And I could see society, American society, global society, creating a world where we said, all right, sometimes if the wind doesn't blow for a couple of days, we're going to go without power for a bit or we'll decrease our usage. I could see that working. I'd like to help usher that in. And I can't do that if I haven't tried it. So it costs me zero. In fact, it's saving me money technically. It's forcing me to think more about my food and care more about my food. I'm eating just as healthily. So there's absolutely no cost to me. It's kind of fun. It's a kind of interesting challenge. People fly around the world in order to challenge themselves with and get different kinds of cuisines and so forth. I'm doing the opposite. I'm unplugging my fridge instead of flying and I'm getting a, a decent challenge that's forcing me into learning things and adventure. I think it's pretty interesting. That was reason number four, which was to live a life of resilience in order to see if it's possible and to blaze the trail for a modern world with all the things that we love in it without as much pollution. So the last one is credibility. Actually, I'm going to throw in community, fraternity, all the things that I've found that happen every time that I act on my environmental values. I find that it brings joy, community, connection. I feel more connected with people, say, on the other side of the world and their cuisine. That original article was about Vietnam. So I feel more connected with people in Vietnam for trying to live here as they do there. Not exactly, but it's a lot different than just flying in like I'm going to the zoo and looking at some people and eating at a lovely little cafe that's made for the, the foreigners. I've been to foreign countries where I've been connected with people. Like my dad has spent, I don't know, 15 years of his life in India. He knows a lot of people there. When we were there last, which is, I don't know, 10 or 15 years ago, when we were there, it was his birthday. And I took him out to a really nice restaurant, one of the top restaurants in the city. So top restaurants in the city there in Ahmedabad, India, is like, $2 for an entree. So it's really cheap, but it's the top one there. And the food was really good. It was good Indian food. But independent of that, he knows so many Indians who, you know, they live there that we would go and visit them in their homes and they would feed us. Not they would cook for us. They just go to the fridge and get food out. And that food was so much better. The home cooked food was better than the restaurant food. Here in America, it's probably the opposite. Although now that I don't like the salt, sugar, fat stuff, I don't like the restaurant food either. But I think going to other countries and just flying in, going to the lovely little restaurants, the high-rated restaurants, and checking stuff out, even if you go and really try to get into the culture, you don't really get it. As My experience, having been to six continents and traveled a lot, is that this actually connects me with people there more, and I'm also not polluting the world in order to do it. If I expect to influence others to do something I don't know if you can lead people effectively to do something that you yourself are not doing, that I myself am not doing. So I do this. If I don't do it, three big things happen. Someone who tries to tell someone else to do something that they themselves are not doing. One, they don't have credibility. Two, they don't know what it takes to get the job done. They don't know what it takes to switch a habit or a lifestyle. It's not a matter of just saying, I'm going to change and you're done. 
if you like the old ways, but you don't want to do it because they pollute or they hurt other people, to switch, it's not just a matter of saying, I'm going to do it. You have to often change, maybe change your friends, change the layout of your house, change how you shop. And it takes support, not telling people what to do, but support and listening. It helps to have role models. It helps to have people that you can share your struggles with who have been through similar struggles before, either on the same thing or on different types of changes to a life. And the third one is, if you haven't stopped doing the old way and really experienced the new way, you don't know what you're talking about. I can now say, I can talk about how delicious the food is when I ferment stuff. And, you know, I'm just getting started. I don't want to pretend. Some people have been learning this stuff since they were little kids. They've lived this way. I'm, I'm way behind. This is remedial what I'm doing. But I've had some, del- that chutney I talked about was amazing. I can't believe how delicious it was. And I made it. Why did I make it? Because when I unplugged the fridge this time, I had some oranges in the freezer. I had some jalapenos in the freezer. Um, I had some, I threw in some turnips and I forget what else to make this chutney. And it was really good. If I'd done it before, I could have unplugged the fridge earlier. In any case, that's the third thing. One, you don't get credibility. Two, you don't know what it takes to make the shift. Three, you sound hollow when you're talking about what's on the other side of it. If you haven't actually done it, now that I've done it, at least to some extent, I can rave about it because I really love the food. So I'm going to recap why unplug the fridge. I did it last year because I was curious I read that article about Vietnam and fermentation, and I was curious based on would I get the same pattern with the avoiding packaging, with the avoiding flying, that I thought it would be awful and it being awesome. As it turned out, last year that worked out. This year I decided to do it more by starting earlier when the weather was still warm. I'm not doing it because I think that my actions will change the world just from those actions alone. I do think that leading others, that's, I think, the biggest effect, and I can't lead others if I don't do it. Originally, I had faith in myself that I wouldn't die and that I'd learn something from it. That has changed to expectation. I look forward to taking on challenges like this because each time I do it, I like the results. Next, I was curious about fermentation. Could I do it? And, well, that forced me to have to do it. Next, I don't like feeling spoiled. I don't like feeling entitled, especially around things that cause pollution and hurt other people. So I like to learn to be independent if I need to be. Next, that article I read about the grid, in order to make the power available at higher and higher 99.9999%, it costs a lot of money. And it makes powering the grid by renewables virtually impossible, whereas going the other way, for us to live a more resilient lifestyle and to tolerate power outages periodically saves tons of money and requires a lot less fossil fuel or nuclear to make it work. Maybe we could get to zero needing of those things. And finally, it builds credibility, it builds connection, it builds community between me and all these people in the world that I don't want to keep hurting through my entitlement. I'll close it last with, if you're in New York City and we can social distance, I invite you over for some of my famous no-packaging vegan stew. I finished the chutney, but we can make something fermented. I think you'll find it as delicious as I do. And if you're like I was, a typical American relying on all this technology and uptime, maybe it will, for you, as it did for me, lead you to trying out a more resilient lifestyle.